Welcome back to a blustery, windy episode of the Wild Edible World podcast. I'm only one of your hosts, and my name is Michael, but this episode, my hands don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Steve. Yeah, uh, so, sorry, I, I'm Steve, uh, just dropping the tea over here uh, in, in the middle of ye old woods. Uh, so, like Michael said, it's a little bit windy, a little bit... It's, a, it's actually quite nice. It's probably in the yeah, 70s right it now. It is. It's a balmy October day. Yeah. Uh, we're seizing the DM. Yes. And in case you were wondering, the reason that, that Michael is half Shakira today is because his hips don't lie. Yep. Especially on episode Rose Hips. No, 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 no. Yeah, Rose I, Hips, man. I can't help. I laugh every time you do it. <laughs> it's not even day. a good impression. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like... It's, it's a heart. It's a heart. It, it is good. Yeah, it, exactly. Think, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, no, rose hips, man. So these grow on basically all roses, right? Yes. yes so yes. these are going to be the ones that you find in the garden. These are going to be the ones that you find out on the trails. Um, there is going to be quite a variety in what they taste like and even what they look like. But I think this episode, for a forager's purpose, we're going to focus on what is probably, a, in my opinion, at least here in the Midwest, one of the more invasive plants noticeably to me Uh and that's the Rosa multiflora. And that's the European white rose. Wild yeah. rose. And I mean there's there's certain patches around around us that are just insane. Just tons of roses. Uh and they smell fucking wonderful yeah, in the they spring. Are, yeah, they are still a really good smellable rose. They don't yeah. have that like really complicated, like um really luscious pattern. Like whenever you think of a red rose yeah. or whatever, they don't have that pattern. That's a mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'm not really sure how that works or why it's that much different. It's a cultivar, right? Yeah. This is a wild rose. So the petals are just like flat and white, but they still smell amazing. And you can they use do. them for syrups and stuff. Like anything you would want to capture, use to capture that smell, you can use with rose. Uh, I actually, rose. I uh, one of my little, you know, my little goofy projects that I do, I, I took some uh, babasu oil and I was trying to infuse it with rose scent. But I, I tried to do it like on like a super low heat. So I took my... Uh, my heat mat for my my seeds, my seed starting heat mat. Oh! And I put the oil and I put the rose hips in there, and I just left it for too long, and I kind of messed it up a little bit. But I mean, if you were to uh, do that slowly, it's probably awesome. My my whole goal was to create like you know like a balm, like a skin balm or something, a chapstick or something of Ooh. that nature that was rose scented because I just love that smell so much. Yeah, it's great. Uh, uh, what temperature does that mat get to? Uh, you know, it gets pretty warm. It, it, it just, it honestly just boosts the ambient temperature, maybe like another 15, 20 degrees. So, uh, it's optimal for like, um, like if you're like my basement, for instance, is in the like sixties year round. Okay. Um, and so it brings that up to maybe like 80, mid eighties. It's good for like, you know, uh, tomatoes and whatnot for getting those guys going. Yeah. Right on early on in the year, getting a head start. That's me. Pro gardener, Steve. I'm, I'm that guy. Um, so, yeah, I guess let's start talking about how we can identify this wild plant so that uh, all you awesome listeners can go out there and find it for yourselves and start using it and um, being responsible about it, too, because, it, like I said, it is an invasive plant and it does have a lot of seeds and a lot of uh, fruit that it bears. So um, it's kind of like the good, bad thing about you know the forager lifestyle is that not only does that mean we have a lot that we get to collect, mm-hmm. but it's also, you know, a problem and we can help solve it. So Yeah, this one almost 
wants to be found, right? Oh, totally. I mean, totally. Yeah, it's growing on the edges of trails, so you're always going to find it almost like at hip or waist level if it's not already reaching out and grabbing you yeah. physically, like thorning. Thorns. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's start talking about how to identify it, right? right. So you're walking trail side, you hear, or you smell this lovely scent, say we're, you know, early spring. Yeah. Um, and so they are white to blush to, I mean, I've, I've seen all sorts of varieties and like yeah i'd say patterns. multiflora rosa is, or rose excuse me rosa multiflora yeah. is uh specifically white flowered so it's got five petals and is white there are a bunch of different like varieties and hybrids i'm yeah. sure that do have like the shades but the specific one the one that i've encountered the most of does just have like plain white flowers and, and those, those are the ones that i think i've seen the most yeah. as well just at i forget what park that was anyway um every single one every single one basically <laughs> so you smell it you see the white flowers; they're mm-hmm. all over. So small flowers, when, five petals. When, when, yeah. When most people think rose, you think like this big, beautiful bloom. These are not that rose, like you said earlier. These are small, flat, uh, brightly colored, mm-hmm. uh, like bits in the center of the stamen and whatnot. Like, yeah, I'd say uh, no bigger than two, two and a half inches uh, in circumference. Yeah, like, total. I've, and really I've seen small. much smaller. Yeah, I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen much bigger than that. No, I would say two, two and a half is going to be the biggest. Yeah, yeah like, for sure. At, at, at most, to be honest. But yeah, they're a simple looking flower for how mm-hmm. good they smell and for like the beauty that R- Rose has a reputation for. So um, yeah, beyond that, you're going to notice the thorns. So pat, right past those flowers, <laughs> there's tons of thorns and it's on like a green cane-like formation. So yeah. it grows similar. So if you've been listening to us for a while, you'll remember what we talked about during the raspberry and blackberry episodes. Mm-hmm. And how it just they, it grows out of these canes that are just like just straight up thorny branches growing straight out of the ground. And a lot of the times they can grow in kind of a bushing formation, right? So because of how many fruit they produce, a lot of the times you're going to have like six or seven seedlings all in one little patch. There's going to be a bunch of roses just sprouting out of one spot. Probably, I'm pretty sure those are a bunch of different little plants. Somebody can correct me on that if they know any better, but I'm pretty sure those they're all a bunch of different plants um, from probably the same fruit bearing. But they're spiny and they're green and they're pretty thin. They're not really that thick. I guess they're, they can get pretty old and get pretty thick, but for the I mean, most part... I, I've seen that they can get pretty tall, too. I've, I've, oh, yeah. The, the biggest one I've seen is maybe like, I don't know, six or seven feet tall. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yep. But I've heard they can get up to like 12 definitely once they're like you know been there for long enough and nobody i buy it if they're allowed to like actually prop up against something or like have a little bit of foliage to kind of like layer upon then they'll definitely get up there for sure yeah a lot of the reasons they're not that tall is because they're kind of bending over from their own weight and they grow so fast and so quick so tall so fast they just kind of arch out as opposed to growing straight up otherwise they probably would be like eight feet long definitely um, so the, I guess beyond that, there's not that much to talk about beyond the, uh, the thing that we like to, en- oh, the leaves. Yeah. The yeah. Leaves. Of course. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, there's I'm only a... flowers and berries on this plant. <laughs> That's it. It's just a flower berry plant. So we, we have some, some in front of us here. I grabbed a sprig, um, so that we could look at it in front of us. Uh, it's got opposite, uh, leafing patterns. But the branches grow alternately, and you can expect seven leaves. So they grow oppositely with a tip, a single leaf at the tip, and they're all oval-shaped. Pretty, pretty toothy. 
The and small ones, small little fellas. Pointy, yeah, they're they're small. I guess, yeah, every single one of these is about uh, an inch long, yeah. less than. The largest leaf is an inch. Um, and there's not too many thorns on it, but there's enough that you got to be careful when you're handling it. Right now, in fall, they're uh, seasoning to a nice, like, really cool yellow, and they've got, like, banana spots on them. But at the edges, they're still pretty green. And whenever they're emerging in the spring, they come out of this, like, little sheath, um, yeah. and they are, like, all wrapped up. And those make a really nice, uh, like, little salad vegetable, but also uh, a good tea. But we'll talk about that in the second half. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much describing the leaves. Um Beyond that, there's the rose hips, which is the fruit-bearing structure of the plant. And that is what the flowers turn into whenever they're pollinated. They start out these little nubs. They're just like little green nubs with, uh, you can see the dead tips of the, the, the edges of the flower on it. And then uh, they ripen into a really dark, beautiful, shiny red. And that's when they're most ready to eat. Um, as far as the invasive multiflora, uh, rosa multiflora is concerned... Um, these are pretty small berries. Everything about this yeah, plant is tiny. quite a bit smaller. Mm-hmm. But, in my opinion, flavor-wise, it's way bigger oh, than sure. yeah, almost I just, I all the rose hips. They were great. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, yeah. yeah they seem tiny, red, dark. Um, they're growing on... They are also growing out opposite, or alternately... Uh, it's kind of harder to differentiate them from other berries that you'll see along the trail, but except there's not really anything like ripe and red growing except these. Yeah, just the general amount of red berry-like things growing in the forest right now is pretty huge. Yeah, and there can be anywhere from like six to ten seeds inside these things. For sure. But um, So their fruit-to-seed ratio is kind of meh. Yeah, not great. But, uh, but like I said before, their flavor ratio... Off the freaking charts. <laughs> they taste really good. They're one of my favorite things to nibble on on the side of the trail. Uh, just putting them in my mouth and just kind of like absorbing the flavor, kind of eating the pulp a little bit. I try to make sure to... I, I usually don't eat any pulp because the seeds on the inside are basically the part that's not edible. So I guess let's, let's, let's run this down. What parts of this plant are edible? The flowers, the berries, mm-hmm. and the root. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you can use the root for all sorts of stuff. Um, it's uh, um, you can use it in drinks actually. So sure. you like roast it and then boil it. But uh, mostly people focus on the berries. I yeah. think they're the best tasting part. They taste like cranberry and apple. But I think they they remind me of like craisins I used to eat way back in the day. Like nice fresh dried cr- uh, cranberries for some reason. And then the only thing you got to avoid when you're munching on those seeds is the the hair-like yes. uh, fellas on the inside. They can be pretty uh, uh, itchy. Yeah, they irritate the on the way in yeah. and on the way out. So you want to make sure that you, if you do use them for a beverage, that you strain it pretty well with a pretty very fine mesh. Sure. Or um, just uh, enjoy the taste and then spit it out responsibly at the base of the plant that you collected it from so that you try to localize the invasiveness or if you have the opportunity into your hand or whatever and just toss it in the garbage sure. or something like that, you know, try to deal with the seeds a little bit responsibly, not like what I just did whenever I squeezed it out, like looking <laughs> at it and then they all kind of fell down. But, you know, at some point there's only so much we can prevent. 
um, and it's all kind of out of control anyway. So try not to try not to have too much moral feelings over. Yeah, I think how we interact with some of these plants. I think you'll be forgiven for that one. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're just doing their own planty thing, and uh, the best thing I think we can do is enjoy them. Agreed. So, on that note, we should take a break and move on to our second half because it's getting dark. It is getting dark. <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely getting there. So, thanks for listening. Um, just a reminder to follow us on uh, social media and feel free to ask us any questions. Send us some pictures. If you're curious, you want us to ID something, maybe we'll do it for you. We might be that nice. Send us some rose hips if you've got some biggins by you, you know? Yeah, like, there you come go. Come on, man. Hook yeah, it up with us, some tea. Send us, send us your hips. Um, if you guys are interested in any merch, we have pins and stickers available. Um, yeah. Still working on setting up a store, but if sure. you are a current listener, shoot us, shoot us a message and we'll hook you up. But we'll also try and be posting about it on social means. So check it out. Um, again, on this note, not the other one, but this note instead, we're going to take a break. We love you. Thanks for joining us back on the Wild Edible World Podcast. Welcome back. We missed you so much. I'm Michael. I'm still Steve. And we're talking about rose hips and roses in general, but mostly rose hips. Yeah. You know, we're, we're talking right now. We're about to like dive deep into some, to some delicious things you can do with rose hips. Yeah. I wish, I, I wish my most used application of rose hips in tea, I'm sure, like most other people. Yeah. I, I wish I had a cup right now. It sounds so good. Yeah, Why no. Why didn't I bring that? It would fit the mood so hard. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that's one of the things you can make with it. Um, uh, and with that, so let's let's talk about why you would make tea with it. It's got a lot of really good nutritional benefits and uh, medicinal uses to it. A ton. The yeah. petals and the, uh, and the rose hips, so... I have here in this uh, cool book, Lost Book of Herbal Remedies by Nicola Pellian, PhD, a lady who was on the show alone. Ever heard of it? <laughs> um, the formerly lost book. Michael found it. So it's, Correct. It's, yeah, it is the formerly it. lost book yeah. of herbal remedies. But uh, it's a really cool resource. I suggest anybody to pick it up if they're interested in this kind of thing. Uh, I tend to reference it a lot because for some reason I'm just not that good about keeping like um, medicinal information in my head so it always like I don't know like I'm not a pharmacist or a doctor it just like doesn't hit that right with me so it's always nice for me to have like this big encyclopedia that I can always just like check sure and I for mean, the most part it's pretty accurate I mean even with something that I do basically non-stop all year so I'm, I'm gardening like all year long but there's always more you know there's always something always, yeah. there's always you know something you can tweak to improve your harvest or to uh, prevent this or encourage that or whatever so yeah no absolutely understandable A resource everyone should have so medicinal uses for roses um, are that they're antiseptic 
They're anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antiviral, and they're a wow, digestive wow. aid. So I've used them as a digestive aid before. I've had like rose, uh, rose leaf tea, rose hip tea as well. It does that. Um, it's a sedative, which is, I don't know, that's a little, it says it's a sedative. I mean, I, drinking I, hot tea puts me to sleep. I mean, so. word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that tracks. Um, but it's also a rich source of vitamins and what most people would know about it, especially vitamin C. Yeah. So that's why uh, making a tea for it would be really good. It's a useful uh, tool in the middle of winter when where you don't really have any natural sources of citrus. If you're not in the preserving game and you're looking for like a really fresh source of vitamin C, rose hips are where it's at. Yeah, if you're really not trying to get scurvy, this is it. <laughs> scurvy is free it. America. Yeah. <laughs> scurvy free. Almost we're almost there. Scurvy free tuna. But yeah, let's um talk about how you would make a rose hip tea. So sure. um I've done it fresh. I started to um the only time I tried to dry rose hips, I tried like processing them without the seeds uh-huh. because I wanted to like Use it in cookies. Use it in tea. And then after a half an hour, that and I saw how like much the worst. Oh, it is, it is the worst. <laughs> after a half an hour, I was like seven rose hips in, and the uh, the 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 labor cost is not worth it. You probably had more on your fingers than you did like collected. <laughs> Absolutely, that's the problem with it. Like, that's why my favorite thing to do is just stick it in my mouth because like the more you handle it, the more you're going to lose some of that like really delicious flavor. Sure. And. Um, yeah, so you've dried it, right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and Dri- you've made tea with those dried? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, normally it's a combination thing. I, I don't think I've ever made... So it's like a rose hip and hibiscus, a rose hip sure. and you yeah. know, something like that. But, it's great for that. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful for that. And then, so like Michael and I always encourage uh, eating, drinking the rainbow. So the bright red should tell you like this is something that's going to hook it up with some vitamin C. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, that, that that's how I've used it mostly. But I think I haven't. But I'm going to try just straight rose hips tea. Yeah, you kind of need a lot um, because they are so small. Um, but they do. Yeah, like I, I'm repeating myself a little bit. Pack a lot of flavor. But <laughs> the amount of um, so I'm I'm collecting rose hips for a couple breweries right now, and um, you only need like a couple ounces for some of the batches that they're doing oh, that cool. they've used it for. But I want to go back to. Um, using rose flowers with other flowers because I think that's where it really shines is actually in combination with other flowers. So it's really good with like mixing up with uh, honeysuckle. Oh, yeah. uh, honeysuckle flowers, they pay really well together. And like basically everything that's going to be flowering at the same time. I was going to say, that, that, that's like the invasive tea collection. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, and you're preventing some of those flowers from like uh, maturing into some berries. So you're kind of controlling it a little bit. Um and they just taste dang good. Yes, they do. So mixing it with other flowers is a really good idea. And you can do that with syrups, sure. teas, um, salts, that's sugars. One, that's one of the popular things that I've seen while I was researching is is uh, rose hip syrup, r- rose hip uh, jam. Like, I can't imagine. Absolutely. You would have to have some pretty honking rose hips to make jam out of it, I would think. Yeah, or just a lot of them. And that's the thing is that they, in some places, and some places I've been, there are a ton of rose hips. And if you can collect them throughout the season, and if you have a, if you have the freezer space, you just throw them in a bag and slowly accumulate them as they gradually ripen because they do kind of like ripen in a staggering fashion. For sure. So 
you it, it's it is unless you have a lot to choose from it's hard to collect a lot at once and you kind of for for those quantities and for the quantities that i'm planning on procuring you have to do it gradually and just like storm in the freezer in the meantime and then eventually you'll have a ton sure and that would be a monumental amount of work i'm um, trying to get all those seeds and those hairs out absolutely but that's why um i don't know you it's recommended to use like a just a fine mesh bag right so i was, good. I was just about to ask tea? you like have you ever have you ever tried that like doing like uh like a ton of rose hips boiling for like jam and then just tried straining it through like a really fine sieve or or even ch- like like through cheesecloth or something after the boiling it'd have portion? to be through uh like a a jam mesh or yeah. or uh one of those brewery uh like brewing yeah brew filters. yeah because yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be really fine because yeah. they're not like impossible to filter out, but you do need to be like pretty dang sure. Sure. If you if you if you're planning on doing that, which is how I do it, you know. Yeah. Just got to use a pretty fine mesh thing, or like I have a recycled cl- uh, cloth that I use. I think most cloth is going to be thin enough to catch it, or uh, tight enough weave, like recycled shirts and stuff like that. Sure. So. Beyond that, where you can find it, um, we—I'm not. I just want to re-emphasize what we mentioned earlier. Though it's really kind of gusting, yeah. On us, so hopefully, <laughs> we're trying to protect the mics a little bit. So hopefully, it's just some really nice ambiance in the background, and you guys are like, "What?" Is yeah, he let's just about? pause for a second. Okay. Get, get some wind. All right. I hope that was nice for everybody. It's so it was nice cool. for us. It's, it's we're at the bottom of this big hill, so we're really just like catching this sweeping air cycle. Like, yeah, formation. I'm having like big, uh, like name of the wind, Patrick Rothfuss feels right now. Have, have you read that series? No. Check it out. It's awesome. Um, so, <clears throat> Rose, uh, you're gonna be able to find these everywhere um but they are mostly in disturbed areas so they're advantageous growers you're going to find them alongside trails alongside streams just about anywhere humans traffic you are going to be able to find this plant that's here in america that's over in europe that's in asia as well um this plant is everywhere so make good use of it um because it is kind of troublesome but it's delicious and beautiful so enjoy it as much as you can as well yeah, absolutely. So just a quick breakdown. Vitamin C, vitamin Boom. E, vitamin K. Boom. Uh, polyphenols like whoa. Like whoa. Polyphenols. Got to love get my your, phenols. And get, if they're poly, even better. Get your butt out there. Find them. Yeah, they're easy to find. And now is the season, um, but it's also year-round for them as well. That's why we kind of held this one in our back pocket to uh, kind of for unreserved for later on in the season when it's colder and it seems like there's less to forage but really there's still a lot out there and this is one of my favorite ones to show people um i i get to show people this plant on every single class i do because it is literally that pervasive so um find it i feel like we're being evicted here i feel yeah no we're evicted nature's like no it's time to draw this to a close you're going to get (laughs) thanks for joining us on another windy episode um, I'm glad you can trust us to help you find the best food for free. And like this episode, it's going to be trail side. But also, other times, it's going to be curbside and low tide. We'll get there eventually. But uh, I've been Michael. That's been Steve. True. He's really cool. Aww. Thanks Aww, for being shucks. here with me. 
on this beautiful day, on the unseasonable, the warmest day, uh, breaking the record on October 24th for warmest day on record in, in on this day in history. So that's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, with that, we love you, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Whoosh. <laughs>